You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Unfortunately, some weather issues with traveling prevented us from recording our normal Friday show. But we've got a loaded Saturday show on tap with the Seahawks set to face the Cardinals at CenturyLink Field, including key matchups to watch and a game plan for victory. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. The hits keep coming for the Seahawks this week as the NFL dropped the hammer on veteran defensive tackle Al Woods, who was suspended four games for violating the league's performance-enhancing drug policy. Woods becomes the second Seahawk to be disciplined by the league this week. Josh Gordon was suspended indefinitely on Monday for another violation of the league's drug policies. He was replaced in the 53-man roster by veteran linebacker, edge defender Dakota Watson. Quite frankly... This is a bigger loss, figuratively and literally, for the Seahawks than Gordon, and the timing is obviously not ideal. Seattle has great depth at receiver right now. Tyler Lockett back to his old self playing outstanding football. DK Metcalf is on pace to potentially get to 1,000 receiving yards as a rookie. David Moore still has done some nice things here and there this season, though his reps were limited with Gordon being in the fold. Jerron Brown, Malik Turner, John Ursua is a player they're still very high on that's only dressed for two games. Maybe now this creates more opportunities for him. But defensive tackle depth is thin behind Jaron Reed and Puna Ford. Quentin Jefferson and LJ Collier can be reduced inside in passing situations, but neither player is equipped to be an early down run stuffer like the 330-pound Woods, who had been really good this season, maybe the best free agent signing for a veteran defensive tackle that John Schneider has had during his time with the Seahawks. And that's saying something, because he's made some really good signings of veteran free agents at that position over the years. But Woods had 32 combined tackles through Seattle's first 14 games. He recovered two fumbles. The guy has played outstanding football all season long. He started five games out of the first six when Jaron Reed was serving his own suspension. So he was able to not just be a quality reserve. He came in and started and played really good football next to Puna Ford. Seattle does have an undrafted rookie in Brian Monet, who was promoted back to the active roster after spending the past few months on the practice squad. He actually opened the year on the 53-man roster, played in the Seahawks' first three games, registered three tackles during that time before he was released and then eventually landed back in the practice squad. Now Monet is going to be thrust into the race for a division title and a potential playoff bye. No pressure, buddy. No pressure at all. Monet is listed at 360 pounds on Seattle's team roster, though Pete Carroll has said he's in the 340s when it's been brought up in press conferences. Regardless, he does fit the mold of Al Woods. He's a very similar style player. He's a bigger bodied one tech who can eat up double teams. He can clog up run lanes. They're going to need him to step up immediately and play significant snaps. And that's not to say he's going to be a starter. They're in good shape. Unlike the rest of their defense right now, they're thin at a lot of other positions because of injuries, but they still have Puna Ford and Jaron Reed in the middle. So they've got a really good one-two punch there. And as I mentioned, Quentin Jefferson is an outstanding pass rusher from the interior when they're in third and long second and long situations they can rotate him down they have some other guys they can play at the defensive end positions especially with Shaquem Griffin coming in in those pass rushing downs and giving them a really fast edge defender but Jefferson at 290 pounds is not 
built to be an every-down defensive tackle. He can be exploited a little bit in the run game on early downs, so they're not going to be leaning too heavily on him. L.J. Collier is even lighter at around 283 pounds, so he's not going to be much of a factor on those early downs playing defensive tackle either. Maybe Brandon Jackson, another guy that we can put in the fold there as well. He's played some snaps in the interior, reduced, but none of those guys are going to be players that you are going to lean on heavily playing that defensive tackle position. And that's why it's imperative that Brian Monet is able to come in here and he's able to play significant snaps right away to spell Puna Ford and Jaron Reed. Those two guys are not going to be able to play 90% of the snaps. Jaron Reed usually is in the 70-80% range. He plays a lot of snaps for Seattle. Puna Ford, not quite as much. He's going to have to play a little bit more now, but they're going to need Brian Monet to be able to take advantage of this situation. And They were really happy with him in the preseason. He had a strong preseason performance for them, and that's why he was able to make that final 53-man roster as an undrafted free agent out of Michigan, Seattle has been known for having undrafted players to come in and get the job done. Maybe Brian Monet can be that next one. They're absolutely going to need him to play well the next couple of weeks for the Seahawks to win the NFC West and potentially get a bye in postseason play. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and the Hoster Show Twitter account on Twitter, and we will share and retweet. After a short break, it's time to talk matchups, including Tyler Lockett against Patrick Peterson and many more. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we move forward, let's talk about sex, good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go and you could increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Kickoff is just a little over 24 hours away at CenturyLink Field as the Seahawks get set to battle the Cardinals in an NFC West rematch, an important game for both teams. Later in the show, I'll be sharing my game plan for a Seahawks victory. But first, let's break down some of the biggest matchups to watch in this football game, starting with one of the most critical ones to watch when Seattle is on offense. It seems like there's a broken record that plays here. Pretty much week in, week out, a lot of the teams the Seahawks play are going to boast a premier rusher. And the Cardinals, they have one of the best in the NFL in Chandler Jones going against Dwayne Brown, Jermaine Effetti, and potentially George Fant. Dwayne Brown is listed as questionable. I expect that he's going to play. He's been banged up all season. 
and yet he's been playing most of the games. He missed a couple games earlier this year, dealing with bicep and knee injuries. I expect he's going to play, but there's a chance George Fant could be in there in this game. Seattle could be looking at Week 17. You don't want to look ahead, but certainly they would like to have Dwayne Brown in the lineup against the 49ers in the season finale in what is likely going to be the NFC West title game. And so those offensive linemen I listed there, Brown, Effetti, Fant, they're going to have to worry about Chandler Jones. The Cardinals don't really have another stud pass rusher on their team. After Jones, next in line for sacks is defensive tackle Rodney Gunter, who has three this year. He has ten quarterback hits. So Gunter's been a decent pass rushing interior defender, but they don't really have another guy away from Chandler Jones that's going to strike fear in you. But Jones is as good as any edge rusher in football. He has at least 11 sacks. In all four of his seasons with the Cardinals, he's got 15 already this year. He's approaching 100 sacks in his NFL career. I mean, he is building potentially a Hall of Fame resume, rushing the passer for the Arizona Cardinals earlier in his career, the New England Patriots. As Pete Carroll was talking about, he's long. We're talking 6'5", 260 pounds, very athletic, plays with a relentless motor, snap to snap. And he has been a Seahawks killer over the years. Though he didn't have any statistics when they played in week four. Prior to that, Jones had at least one sack in each of his prior seven games against Seattle. He knows how to get to Russell Wilson. So you look at Jermaine Effetti, Dwayne Brown. In recent weeks, a couple weeks ago, they had a lot of trouble with Dante Fowler Jr. and company. Some speedy guys off the edge for the Rams that wreaked havoc. Last week's game, they actually did pretty well. The Panthers were able to get to Wilson twice, but overall, the offensive line did a much better job. One of the strengths for Carolina, they had three really good edge rushers that know how to get after the quarterback, and the Seahawks did a pretty good job protecting. If they can replicate that, the Panthers don't have a Chandler Jones, but certainly they can try to mitigate his impact on the game. If they're able to protect Russell Wilson, this is a Cardinals team that likes to blitz a lot too. They can keep him protected in the pocket. It's going to provide a great opportunity for some downfield plays against a secondary that is still suspect. Flipping to the other side of the ball, a newcomer. We talked a lot about this on Thursday's show, Rob and I did. Kenyon Drake, he was brought in at the trade deadline from the Miami Dolphins. The versatile running back has been an outstanding addition for the Cardinals. So I'm highlighting him versus the Seahawks linebackers. And this could be especially interesting considering Bobby Wagner, though playing in this game, he's not even on the final injury report, could be at less than 100% with an ankle injury he suffered last weekend against the Panthers. Meanwhile, Michael Kendricks is also questionable with a hamstring issue. So we could be looking at another start coming for rookie Cody Barton, and he could be out there with K.J. Wright and a less than 100% Bobby Wagner. That may not be good news working against Kenyon Drake, who has been a revelation since coming from the Dolphins. Perfect fit for Cliff Kingsbury's offense. 4.8 yards per carry, five rushing touchdowns, over 100 receiving yards. So he's he's a dynamic threat. He's not just a guy that's going to eat up yards on the ground. He's a really good receiver out of the backfield. They're scheming really well for him. A lot of space to operate for the really athletic running back out of Alabama. So the Seahawks linebackers have to be ready to cover him, and they're going to have to be ready to get downhill and make stops too because the Cardinals have done such a good job creating space for him in the run game. If the linebackers are not managing their fits, not getting downhill and making plays, He's going to pick up a bunch of yardage, and he's a guy that can certainly make some explosive plays out of the backfield. 
Looking back at the Seahawks offense, got to identify this matchup. I'm excited about this one. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf versus Patrick Peterson and Byron Murphy. Lockett, I mentioned this earlier, finally looks like his old self. After a few weeks struggling to get over a leg injury and the flu, 120 receiving yards on eight receptions. Should have had nine receptions for around 160 yards and two touchdowns, but Russell Wilson overthrew him on the only missed target between the two of those guys. It's really a good thing that he's back because he's going to be squaring off against an improving Cardinal secondary. The numbers may not bear that, but they are playing much better as of late. Big reason why they've got their alpha dog back. Patrick Peterson didn't play the first six weeks of the season. He was suspended. That included the week four matchup between the Seahawks and the Cardinals. And he had to shake some rust off his game after being suspended for the first month and a half. Was not playing in his typical Pro Bowl All-Pro level the first few games that he came back. Trying to reacclimate himself to the secondary. A lot of new faces around him. But he has really found his game as of late. Last weekend against the Browns, three passes defensed and an interception. Easily his best game of the season. On the flip side, Murphy has had an up and down rookie year. But you can't deny the talent. And he seems to be finding his way a bit too. Having Patrick Peterson across from him certainly helps. So statistically, the Cardinals aren't good in the secondary. But if you've watched the tape as of late, this is a group that's figuring things out. And it still has a chance to be a solid battle in this game against the Seahawks. Now that Patrick Peterson's back and playing like he's capable of. The young guys are starting to really figure things out back there. I expect this is not going to be quite as easy of a matchup as it was the first time these teams played. Flipping back to the Cardinals on offense, I have to include this on here because I still think if you're looking at an Achilles heel, the group has been better than I anticipated. And some of that's because Cliff Kingsbury's just done an outstanding job of scheming. But I look at the tackles, Justin Murray and DJ Humphreys. Humphreys has had a nice bounce back here for the Arizona Cardinals. But those two tackles are vulnerable against pass rushers. And obviously the Seahawks will most likely be without Jadevian Clowney. So maybe that's going to end up evening things out a little bit. But you still got Rasheem Green, Ziggy Anza, and Quentin Jefferson for the Seahawks. As good as Kyler Murray has been running the football, and as good as he's been throwing the ball, he's been very accurate for the most part, not a ton of turnovers. He's still been susceptible to being sacked a lot. It's a lot like Russell Wilson over the years. He's trying to extend plays. Sometimes that pays off. Sometimes that backfires, and it leads to a higher total of sacks. That's not all on the offensive line. But it seems like Justin Murray and DJ Humphreys, those two guys that the Seahawks edge rushers should be able to have some success against them. We could even include... uh, Shaquem Griffin in here as well when they get into second and long, third and long situations. I like Shaquem Griffin going against Justin Murray and DJ Humphreys off the edge, mainly Murray. I would look at that matchup and think, man, that speed off the edge could be a real problem for him in pass protection. I look back at that first matchup. Seattle was able to get some pressure on Kyler Murray throughout the game. Jadevian Clowney played a role in that. You're not going to have him most likely in this game, but you still are going to have Ziggy Anza returning. Rasheem Green played really well against them the first game. He actually made one of the most impressive plays I've seen by a Seahawks defender all year, chasing down Kyler Murray as he was bailing to his left and managing to get him down for a sack. 
that was not a play that I anticipated Rasheem Green was going to athletically be able to make, and yet he did. And so this is another opportunity for him to continue his strong second season. The pass rushing lanes have to be crisp against Kyler Murray, or he's going to burn you. So those guys have to be disciplined but aggressive rushing the passer. And then one last matchup I've got to point out because this could be It could be. I'm just going to highlight that. I've said this for a couple years. This could be the last time Larry Fitzgerald plays at CenturyLink Field and him going against the Seahawks' corners at this stage of his career. Fitzpatrick lives in the slot a lot. And that means in this particular game, especially if Shaquille Griffin cannot play, he is still questionable with a hamstring injury. He was not practicing for most of this week. So there's a chance Akeem King is going to have to play in his spot again, which means with Akeem King sliding out, potentially replacing Shaquille Griffin, that we could see Ugo Amadi getting his first and possibly only crack defending the future Hall of Famer out of the slot as Seattle starting nickel corner. That would be quite a test for the fourth-round pick out of Oregon. Fitzgerald is still a very good player, obviously not in his peak, not in his prime anymore, but still over 700 receiving yards, 67 receptions the ultimate professional, and he is certainly a guy that has given the Seahawks problems over the years. He scored a touchdown last year, showing off his incredible football IQ, looking like he was going to block, and then K.J. Wright and Akeem King both bit on it, and then next thing you know, Larry Fitzgerald is in the end zone with the football, catching a touchdown pass from Josh Rosen. So they have to be prepared for him to pull some tricks out of his hat. One of the best players ever to play the game, and that's a heck of a test potentially for Ugo Amadi, who's only started two games in the slot, and actually they're not even listed as starts because they've played so much base defense. But last weekend got quite a few snaps out of the slot with Akeem King playing on the outside. If Griffin can't play, that means this is the Amadi show in the slot. And Larry Fitzgerald, the wily veteran that he is, going against a fourth-round rookie, that could be advantage Arizona big time. It's, it's going to be a great test for Amadi in this football game. If you are looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingT.com slash on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. Great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Coming up next, we've highlighted the key matchups. Now it's time to devise a game plan for Seattle to pick up its 12th victory of the season. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back here on Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to have you listening in for this rare Saturday show. Last quarter, I broke down some of the most notable matchups to watch in Sunday's upcoming grudge match between the Seahawks and Cardinals. Now let's put on our coaching hats and discuss what Seattle needs to accomplish to win this game in Week 16. We've talked about this all week. Rob Rang and I on Thursday noted... This Arizona squad is so much better than its 4-9-1 record suggests. They've taken the 49ers down to the wire twice, played very sound football in the second half of the season. They've got a rising rookie quarterback in Kyler Murray. But we're going to start on the offensive side of the football for the Seahawks. What do they need to do to beat the Arizona Cardinals this weekend? The first big thing is all about protection. Protect Russell Wilson at all costs. That has been the biggest issue in matchups between these teams at CenturyLink Field as of late. Even last year, the Arizona Cardinals came into Seattle with only a couple of wins. 
They were going to have the number one pick in the NFL draft. Josh Rosen's their quarterback, struggling. His future in limbo. Their coach, Steve Wilkes, his future in limbo. And yet they come to Seattle and they nearly pull off the upset in week 17. The Seahawks still would have made the playoffs this time. If you remember back in 2017, the Cardinals came in and beat the Seahawks as the underdog at CenturyLink Field. Bruce Arians' final game, uh, final games in Arizona. And they got the victory against the Seahawks there, knocked them out of the postseason. So the Cardinals are just notorious for coming to CenturyLink and making things interesting against the Seahawks. A lot of victories at Seattle, whereas most other teams don't want to play in Seattle. The Cardinals have been pretty comfortable there. And the big reason why on defense, they have been able to get to Russell Wilson. They sacked him six times in that game last year in Week 17. So you got to protect Russell Wilson at all costs. You know the Cardinals are going to blitz. They have the third highest blitz rate in the league. Nearly 40% of dropbacks, they're bringing at least one additional defender. That has not changed. Even with a new defense, a new defensive coordinator this year, that has not changed. They're still bringing the blitz at a very high rate. So that could be both good and bad for the Cardinals. If they're able to get home, then they could really disrupt Seattle's offense. But Russell Wilson's also been one of the best quarterbacks throwing against blitzes, bring extra pressure. That can be a problem for your defense that he can burn you on. So I'm going to move that into the second uh, pointer here. You protect him, and then you lean on him. Russell Wilson in that passing attack. That does not mean you don't run the ball. The Cardinals have been pedestrian defending the run, too. But this is a team that remains vulnerable against the pass. Just keep tabs on Patrick Peterson. He's the one guy. Not that the other guys can't play. Buda Baker is a Pro Bowl safety. Everybody in the Pacific Northwest knows what he's capable of doing from his time with the Washington Huskies. Byron Murphy is a first-round pick with a lot of talent. But those guys are not Patrick Peterson. The multiple-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro selection. you got to know where he is at all times. But this secondary is still vulnerable. They've given up 34 passing touchdowns, 218 passing first downs, worst yardage total in the NFL for air yards. The quick strike game can also be dangerous against the Cardinals. They lead the league in missed tackles. So get the football to your playmakers and let them go to work. The Cardinals have proven the entire season they have a hard time getting ball carriers to the ground. Set up that play-action game, and this secondary can be exposed, especially with how much they blitz. You get a couple extra guys coming, you're able to get the football out. The 49ers are able to take advantage of that late in their game. The last time those two teams met, the Cardinals looked like they were going to pull off the upset, and then the 49ers were able to burn them on a blitz late and scored a touchdown to retake the lead, eventually win the game. This is a team that could be ripe for the taking if you're able, again, to protect and allow your quarterback time to scan the field, get the football out of the pocket, get it to a playmaker, and let him go to work. And as far as specifics go, you got to make the tight end a focal point on offense, and the Seahawks did their first time. Now, that's one big loss for the Seahawks compared to Week 4. Will Disley had a big game against the Arizona Cardinals at State Farm Stadium. He had a big game, had a touchdown No longer available to the Seahawks on injured reserve with an Achilles injury. So they're going to have to lean on Jacob Hollister. Maybe George Fant gets another target in this game. Maybe Tyrone Swoops gets his first target of the season. But this is a team, the Cardinals, that has struggled more than any team in football defending tight ends. They have given up 15 touchdowns 
passes this year to tight ends. Easily the most in the league. I think the second place team is nine touchdowns and they've given up 15. So nearly twice as much. It's been an Achilles heel for them all year. Jacob Hollister should be getting quite a few targets in this game, especially when they get in the red zone. Look for that tight end. The the Cardinals have not proven this year that they can stop quality tight ends. Jacob Hollister is a really solid receiver at the position. I expect a big game from him. The Cardinals are also in the top five, and this is not something you want to be in the top five for, giving up receptions and yards to running backs out of the backfield. Chris Carson had a couple big receptions when these teams played in week four. I would anticipate that Carson, maybe C.J. Proceis, as well as Travis Homer, get those guys the football as receivers, quick passes out of the backfield. Again, this is where that missed tackle problem comes into play. Get the football to one of those running backs that are tough to bring down. Cardinals have really struggled to tackle, so I can see tight ends and running backs being a big part of the Seahawks, a big part of the Seahawks passing game this weekend. Now, swinging to the defensive side of the ball, to me, this may be the most important thing aside from protecting Russell Wilson. Obviously, that's been a huge problem for the Seahawks against the Cardinals over the years, and really, it's been a consistent problem throughout Russell Wilson's career, let's be honest, but the Cardinals have really capitalized on that offensive line struggling to protect, but on the other side of the ball, rush lane integrity is vital this weekend. Look, Kyler Murray is not quite Lamar Jackson. There has never been another quarterback like Lamar Jackson, but he's a fantastic athlete. He showed in the first matchup between these teams. You give him some space, he'll burn you with his legs. You've got to maintain your rush lane. You're still going to rush hard. you got to be aggressive. But the Seahawks had a couple mishaps with this against Lamar Jackson. He made him pay. Kyler Murray can do the same thing. If you are not disciplined with your rushing lanes, then you're going to have a really hard time slowing down Arizona's offense and preventing Kyler Murray from doing damage as a runner. Keep him in the pocket. Don't let him extend plays outside. That gives receivers time to improvise. All this stuff is easier said than done when you're playing a dual-threat quarterback and an outstanding athlete like Kyler Murray, but you've got to be disciplined with your run lanes. And if you can do that, if you can be disciplined rushing the passer here, that you can crowd around Kyler Murray, and he has taken a lot of sacks this season. This is not a great offensive line in front of him. That can be a way you can push the Cardinals behind the sticks, and you still got a rookie quarterback back there. He's thrown a few interceptions in recent weeks. Maybe you can force him into throwing another interception or two in this football game, especially with the way the Seahawks have been generating turnovers the past month or so. Win at the line of scrimmage. That's my second main pointer on defense. Not having Al Woods is something to keep an eye on here. He had a really good game against the Cardinals back in week four. Arizona, I talked about this some Thursday. They are in the top five for rushing yards before contact. They have schemed extremely well in the run game, and most of that has happened since that Seattle game in Week 4. They made some adaptations to their offense. They've put a bunch of wrinkles in with their run game. Again, tons of credit to Cliff Kingsbury for mixing things up, scheming really well, and that has created space. You bring in Kenny and Drake, who is a better fit for your offense, create space so that he can operate, and they've done a great job of that. That's why they have over 1,000 yards before contact for contact this year and so the Seahawks have to do a great job up front in the trenches win disrupt things if not 
that puts a lot of pressure on your linebackers. And I mentioned earlier that linebacker group is going to be dealing with some injuries. Bobby Wagner is not going to be 100%. May not be running as well as normal. Michael Kendricks is coming off a hamstring injury. You've got a rookie in Cody Barton who's shown promise, but he's still a rookie. And this could be a game where you can see some rookie mistakes from him as far as run fits are concerned. So there are some issues there. That front line has to play well to limit the Cardinals' run game, limit those yards before contact, the big run lanes that the Cardinals have been able to generate. You've got to close those up and make them one-dimensional. Force Kyler Murray to put the offense on his back throwing the football. They did that the first time they played, and the Seahawks had a lot of success. Third thing, lock up screens and quick passes to the running backs. This has been an issue for the Seahawks in recent weeks. And heck, week four, David Johnson was still the main man in the backfield for the Cardinals, and he had a really big game catching the football. The Cardinals are going to run their screens in bunches. They they did throw an interception on one of them. Jadevian Clowney picked it off and took it back to the house for six in the first matchup. Again, Clowney not looking likely to play in this game. I still expect Arizona's going to come out. They're going to see what Seattle has struggled with in recent weeks, defending screens. They're going to run some screens, some quick passes to the running backs, Kenyon Drake and company. And I expect that's going to be a big issue. The Seahawks are going to have to be really disciplined. They have to know when those screens are coming, reading the offensive line blocks, and be able to get out there, get to those running backs. They're going to throw some quick screens to receivers too. They've got to be ready for those plays in this football game. A final pointer here. Tackle, tackle, tackle. This is not a quick strike Arizona offense. They are near the bottom of the league in air yards per completion. You look at the receivers they've got. Christian Kirk has had a really solid second season. He's going to break some tackles. He's a guy that can play out of the slot and stuff, but he's not the most dynamic downfield receiver. Larry Fitzgerald at this point in his career isn't going to be burning people on deep balls. They don't really have Andy Isabella, maybe the one guy they've got that's got blazing speed. The rookie out of UMass is a guy who showed against the 49ers. You get him in space, he can burn you, but he's only got nine receptions the entire season. This is just not an offense that is built right now with the personnel they've got to be able to put quick points on the board. It's going to be methodical. They're going to try to dictate the pace. It's going to be an up-tempo, but still, as far as plays are concerned, Not a team that's going to score a lot of really quick touchdowns, or at least they haven't this year. They're going to be methodical, so you've got to be able to tackle. Keep guys in front of you. That includes that screen game that I was talking about. Be able to bring down the ball carrier as soon as they catch the football. Limit their effectiveness running the ball. If you're able to do that, you're able to take them out of that no-huddle rhythm that they like to play. You're able to get them off the field quickly. And then the Seahawks offense can put together some lengthy, sustained drives, or they can have some quick hitters too. This is a game that that could happen. This is certainly a game the Seahawks could seize early, but at the same time, the way the Cardinals have been playing the last four or five weeks, aside from their loss to the Rams, you got to be prepared. This team is going to come to Seattle. They're going to be ready to play. They're going to be running their stuff, and you can expect there will be some new wrinkles. Clean. Cliff Kingsbury's done an outstanding job of that this season, really adapting the offense. There's still a lot of air raid principles, but he has been willing to make some adaptations to that. He's going to keep doing that. So not a quick strike offense, but you got to tackle. If you let the running backs and receivers get extra yardage after the catch, you can't keep guys in front of you. You let them keep moving the chains and grinding out drives, especially with how many injuries this defense has in Seattle. 
then the Cardinals are going to be able to put points to the board, and they're going to hang around. And we've seen in recent years, you let the Cardinals hang around CenturyLink, they are more than capable of pulling off the upset. Pulling off the upset. So tackle, 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 shorten their drives, get the football back, try to set the tone early. Then you got a good chance to get another win and sweep the season series. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the Locked On Seahawks podcast, you can contact me, LockedSeahawks at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, whatever your preferred podcast platform is, by visiting us at LockedOnSeahawks.com. Rob Rang and I will be coming back on Monday, I promise. I know it's been a crazy week with the holidays coming around. We will have three shows next week. We will not be doing a show on Christmas Eve or on Christmas, but we will have three shows coming up. Monday's show, we'll be recapping the game against the Arizona Cardinals. What went right, what went wrong. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a Seahawks victory over the Cardinals, moving to 12-3 and and setting up the NFC West title game against the 49ers in the regular season finale. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game. Go Hawks.